Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is the fabulous Tim Brown, founder of Tim Brown Architecture and Perch Plans. Now, Tim is based in Austin, Texas, and is well known for his modern farmhouses. I've known Tim for about four or five years now, and uh, we've always had a great conversation around design. So today I want to share one of those with you. So Tim, welcome to Talk Design. How are you doing, man? Hey, Adrian. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, buddy. So one of my questions would be, Tim, what, what started this journey? When did you know architecture was the spark, the thing that was going to you know, light your fire or it lit your fire? And, um, and you went, I can do this. This is going to be fun. This is going to be something special. And I'm going to be able to give people special stuff. Right. Well, it took a long time for me. I went in several circles of, uh, of thought. So... I've always been artistic. So throughout school, um, I was always in studio art classes and I took some sculpting classes and really enjoyed that. But then I, um, I went into the army when I was 18 and I was a tank mechanic and I thought myself more of an engineer at that time. <laughs> so when I got out of the army, I went to the University of New Hampshire and did civil engineering. Wow. But I got about four septic systems in and decided this is terrible and I do not want to do this. So, um, <laughs> this so they had systems. A, Let's see. Right. <laughs> yeah, like the toilet. <laughs> so, um, they had a architectural technology program. It was a two-year program at University of New Hampshire. So I, I transferred over to that, and really that's where my eyes opened up to what an architect really does. Right. So many people think we sketch and we have these uh, really loose ideas, but to combine the technical and the artistry was so appealing to me. Yeah. So I would say um, in the midst of designing a cesspool, I decided I want to be something more. <laughs> you could see yourself working above ground. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why um, residential, not commercial? What was, what was the decision that made that happen? Um, I worked in a few commercial firms early on in my career. And it's great work, but it is so redundant. You're, I, well, I, I worked in a, at a firm that did post offices. Yeah, right. And the government had very strict regulations on what needed to be, sizes of everything, loading docks, all, all this kind of thing. And, and then um, I also worked for a company that did... Um, prototypes for chain restaurants like Chili's and on the border restaurants. Gotcha. 
So I was designing the bar and how far margarita lines could run and restrooms and everything was very prescribed. Yeah. Um, I think very few commercial architects get to express design. Does that make sense? Sure, because you've got such a um, prescribed, as you say, like environment and it's not about a family or one or two humans. It's about a hundred thousand humans or maybe a million humans if it's a chain restaurant or something like that that are going to use not necessarily that location, but all these different pieces to it. And as they discover what works and doesn't work, then they want that in every new project and remove right. the old. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm. So, so, uh, so, so residential, everybody lives in a house, whether it's a cave or if it's a condo and a penthouse, everybody understands uh, a home. So it's humble, it's relatable, and it's fun mm. because everybody can speak it. And so, e- even if they don't have necessarily what they want yet, they can imagine something more. Experience than yeah. Even if it was a hotel room that had a fantastic feature in it yeah. that they would like in a home uh, or the house they grew up in or, yeah. I don't know, a friend's house that they've stayed at, everybody's experienced it. Even um, through movies and stuff. Um, right. I often yeah. have this little thing that I do with clients where I say to them, I want you to close your eyes and, and imagine something. And they're like, all right. And I go, so I want you to imagine you're driving down the street and on, the, on, the, uh, on your right-hand side, there's going to be like a lawn that comes off the footpath and runs up gently to a house. And the house is two-storied and it has a big wide veranda across the front, which has mm. a couple of chairs on it. There's a big oak tree or something in the corner and there's a swing seat. There's a swing seat. It's got like a, 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 a tire tied off a string and, you know, off a rope. And uh, there's some kids on that. And there's, a, there's a, a long-haired golden Labrador on the lawn playing as well. And uh, yeah, four, really big, yeah. Yeah, four people sitting on the, on the porch there just having a quiet drink and a chat, looking out. And they go, I said, can you see that? And they're like, yeah. And I go, tell me a bit more about it. And they'll tell me something about it. And I'll go, what movie is it from? (laughs) (laughs) It's a Hollywood formula, but it feels great. Yeah. 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 It's, um, and we've, we, yeah, people have this embedded imagination and points. Um, something that I see a lot is, is a lot of, um, commercial architects wanting to get into residential. Yeah. It's fun. It's a lot funner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's less regulations. You're not writing a, uh, a binder full of specifications. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It feels more artistic. The other feels more bureaucratic. Yeah. And you, and you end up connecting with a lot of people really specially. Sure. Yeah. You're digging into their lifestyle. Yeah. 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 It's um, good and bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it can be, depending on what yeah. their lifestyle is. Choose your clients right. carefully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or at least to add color to your life. Um, so have you got a tip if, if somebody was wanting to um, go from commercial to residential? You got a tip for them? 
Mm. I've seen, this is not a dig against them, but I've seen commercial architects try to do one or two houses here and there, and it doesn't come off as intimate as someone who's a specialist in it. It's like you've got to dump all those old ideas. It is a completely different language. Material-wise, scope-wise, the program is different, everything about it. So you've got to kind of lay aside your architect and be yourself in your house, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So that's a really good tip, actually, because it is so um, about being connected to the occupant or the person who's building it, the person who's going to live in it and finding out them and what makes them them tick, how they live. And you can't do that with a commercial. You can do it well mass with commercial, but you don't get to do that intimately. Um, yeah. and so you've got to get like, like you said, when we were talking before about, you know, you've got to get down to that level of like a new puppy and, and discover yeah. them and play with them and pat them gently and let them come to you and let them bring their sort of their toys and ideas and yeah. stuff like that. Mm. Have you ever been in a house that a commercial architect designed? Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's like, well, why'd you use concrete block here? And Hey, look at that carpet squares. And <laughs> Well, I think what happens is, like you said, I, I, I don't know how many houses you've designed, but, you know, hundreds of houses that, that, that have gone through your practice. Then you go, and each one of those was a journey with, a, with somebody. And even with perch plans, they might be buying something that is um, a, a set plan, but then you customise it to their needs from that like it it, it, okay. it shifts and changes i know from being in your studio i've seen how it shifts and changes and yeah. that journey is whilst they might start with a block of something then they're, they're playing you're, you're giving them the opportunity to play with that block and and all that closeness that happens with that um to yeah. find their way it uh it, i think to, to think that uh, you can nail it from going from, yes, I'm an architect or I'm a designer or a building designer, whatever it is. I've done this one house and I, I, I reckon I've nailed it here um, and maybe their own home. And then yep. to go, well, I can take this to commercial space of, of lots of um, residential customers. There's just a body of work from the first project to the 10th project and how much you learn. Yeah. And I'll say going, going the opposite direction is really hard too. Cause I did a church four years ago yeah. and it was, uh, it was quite difficult. <laughs> the scale is so much different. Yeah. Cause we've worked out in the hundreds of homes that we've done, we've worked out this common thread of standards. What's the clearance between countertops what's a toilet how much space does that need um a typical walk-in shower we i mean those things are like we've done it over and over and over again and then to go into a a sanctuary of a church I'm like we need uh 
450 chairs in here. To I was going to the graphic standards, the architectural graphic standards, and what is uh, square footage per person sitting in an assembly? And it's like, wow, it, it's completely different. Yeah. Completely. So I don't know. I, I'm happy with that project, but uh, was I the best guy for it? Probably not. Well, the thing is, is that you had to learn. You had to learn a lot to do it. Right. Right. So, so maybe the best guy because you did, were you prepared to learn that. Maybe. Yeah. Somebody, yeah, somebody else who wouldn't be. Like, you wouldn't. Being, doing something like a church or even a hotel where it's got standards, but it's a place where people come to, to enjoy and... Yeah they um being able to bring the knowledge of of residential to that as well the field yeah. knowledge yeah I would think, yeah yeah that's a good one um okay so <laughs> tell me a bit about um a couple of uh exciting projects that you've got that you're working on what what's some what's something a bit unusual about them well uh one is in this little town called Hunt, Texas. Yeah. It's a, a town that has a lot of summer camps for kids and then family camps because it's got this beautiful river that runs right through the middle of town. And there's these massive cypress trees that grow on the banks. So there's like you were describing the, the golden retriever and the, yeah. the tire yeah. swing that you, you drive down that road and I swear music starts playing, the sun rises every time you turn a corner, and it's just this iconic, uh, beautiful hill country space. So we're designing a ranch house for a couple, and I say ranch house, um, all that I mean is it's on acreage. They don't have a working ranch or anything. But they have allowed us to explore uh, a different aesthetic to get away from that Victorian uh -huh. uh, modern farmhouse feel so we're doing something a little more scandinavian Ooh. and we're playing with uh, modular pieces that are separated by breezeways so you have to leave a space go outdoors and into another space to to um, travel through the whole house and that is uh, super exciting to me it feels more like a resort than a house because mm -hmm. we have um well maybe she won't hear this but that house that we walked through the house that we had the party at in el paso mm -hmm. where she had the guest rooms along the hallway and she had glass from the guest room into the hallway space i'm playing with that because all of these spaces surround a pool patio oh, and i want i want those spaces to be private inside but not have a hallway cutting off their access to views out both sides of the space so they've got great pasture views off of one side and then the other side of the room you can open up curtains to this hallway which is just two glass partitions yeah. and you can see out to the pool so that one's very exciting and i, I can't wait to we're getting pricing on it now and i'm, I'm nervous <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you know that house that we did go to in el paso the, the one you're talking about yeah um, 
that out of out of you know you you go and look at other people's work and it, it it's often super inspiring and you and you see the way they resolve ideas and stuff yeah and yeah. in that house that was the that was my single big takeout of what a beautiful way to um do exactly what you said on one side of the room you could look out over this way on the other side of the room normally you'd have a wall and you yeah. would miss out on one side of it yeah yeah and it was that a wonderful solution i really yeah have, brilliant. i've presented it in a plan i'm doing currently as well you too <laughs> i wonder where she got it from <laughs> exactly i wonder where she picked that up um well you know, I, that quote that I love, Brian McKay Lyons said, innovation is overrated. We're all building on what is already a great body of work. So it's like, if you're inspired by somebody, the best compliment would be to try and emulate something that they've done. I mean, we're not copying it verbatim, but it's, uh, you do, you get inspired by other people's work. Because if we were in the bubble, yeah. we all... Uh, have unique things about our designs but they can also be something that we do over and over and it starts to resonate in a bad way throughout your your designs yeah so it um it's it's interesting like you say like how you use it so we do here just in where we are um a lot less reliance on mechanical ventilation so we're, mm -hmm. we're more likely to open it up. And as you know, we use a lot of louver windows and stuff like yeah. that. So in, yeah. my, in my design of that, I've got my, uh, the big, I've got sliding doors all along the hallway. So they look out, plus some louver windows so that when the doors are closed, we can still breeze. And then yeah. in the bedroom, I've got the, the glass panels and then I've got a fixed, I've got a louver panel, which is in a um, timber louver. And then of course I've got oh. a door. So I can just put the blind down through the middle to make it private. I can gap that and get air to transfer from, in my case, it'll transfer from east to west. Um, yeah. But I haven't got it through yet. It's, um, we're working on it. Yeah. yeah. I wish I looked where you do. Because we, you open your windows at your own peril here. Yeah. <laughs> it's so brutal. <laughs> Especially right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, it's, uh, it, it's interesting, like, and, and working through with what you were saying, like doing a place that is um, a departure from what your signature, what you're known for, that's a lot yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's with, um, I think, again, for people who are listening, when you're doing that, it's, it, in, it increases your workload as such because mm -hmm. of the fact that what happens is, is you're learning or you're playing with new spaces. It's not like... Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so where do you see things going from here? Like what's the next five, ten years of what Tim Brown does with, uh, with architecture? Apart from flying his plane and having fun and doing those things, what, what, playing, his, playing his guitar. Um, yeah, what do you see as being like, Tim Brown Architects. By the way, for everybody listening, Tim uh, just recently took over a historic building in a wonderful little town called Dripping Springs in Texas, re yeah. renovated this building, 
and um, as his studio, and it is just a delight. Like it's it's fabulous, really. Yeah, fabulous. thank you. It's fun being there. It's it's neat being in a small community that you can impact. Uh, I just got on the historical preservation commission. Oh, you think I'm a commissioner from now on? <laughs> <laughs> commissioner Tim Brown. The commission. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I see things. Um, so starting the design build company that we did back in March, I would really like to drill down into methods and materials and how can we use off the shelf materials that can be used in a unique way that isn't costing a fortune. Mm hmm. So I haven't had the opportunity yet. Uh, we're designing two homes. We have two clients with the design build company now, and um, we're just in schematic design with them. So uh, it'll be interesting once we start to put numbers and dollars to, to the project. But that's where I'd really like to go, is really honing. Uh, there, there's always been this, uh, I don't know if it's this way in Australia, but there's always been a kind of a hostile relationship between the builder and the architect because they both have agendas and they don't always get to the same point. Yeah. Uh, the builder is, is cost and schedule and the architect is aesthetic and uh, just getting the design right. Living so, yeah. yeah. So if bringing those together, can they work efficiently? And I know there's companies that do it. There's brilliant companies that do it, but I would like to get that skill in my pocket too. I, I, I think that often um, what I see here is that those companies are more driven from the build side than they are from the architectural side. Really? Yeah. And that's not to say there aren't the others, but they're very driven from that side. Whereas um, if the design is right, then the house will live right. And yeah. then it's about getting it to cost right and get the level of construction that's required to make it something that um, I suppose is, whether it's timeless or whatever it is, what, but something yeah. that, that, that matters, you know, that's yeah. significant. You I always think that if you design a house, Ideally, you'd be designing a structure that could be there for hundreds of years. Doesn't mean people won't alter it and change it, but sure. structure should be something that can last. Yeah, there's so many disposable houses here. After 20 years, they look terrible. It's, you know, I mean, that's particularly scary based on the fact that you know they they cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, and they're built to the lowest, just the lowest cheapest way yet they yeah. still i mean the the difference might be 20 percent difference in cost maybe or just to build it better just to yeah. build it better and yeah. i don't know how often people turn over their houses in texas or in, in the u.s but on average they say in queensland the average queensland home has only lived in by the you know for seven years now i'm out i couldn't unpack and pack in that time so we'll, we'll be here for a lot longer <laughs> 
my wife and I, in our first 10 years of marriage, we moved 11 times. There you go. You're one of the statistics. <laughs> yes, I am. But we've been in this house for 11 years, and I don't see us going anywhere. No, uh, it's a beautiful space. Yeah. Well, that's so, fascinating, man. It, um, yeah. Oh, you were going to say something? Well, back to your, your comment about those companies being build driven. I don't know if it's possible and maybe you need that struggle with that um, adversarial relationship. And that's what makes a great project because you're both fighting for what you believe in. It makes you both prove your theory and prove your, uh, your desires for what that project should be instead of just making it so you're having to discuss it and defend it in a way. So well, I think, and, and you're the champion of the client in there as well. So yeah, uh, it, 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 um, I, I've got a few build and design sort of partners that I work with to do things. And there's always yeah. a bit of conflict over how we, how we roll out what we do because one client might be, I kind of want to get this design right with you, but we also need to be costing it as we're designing it. As, right. you know, it's a very yeah. tight thing. And so the, the, it's not that you don't want the advice of the builder as well when they go, you know what, we could do this this way and that might actually bring the price down, but we'll get a similar effect. And you can go, yeah. oh, well, I can see that. Cool. Yeah. And then yeah. often you see it and then you go, well, if we're doing that, then we could get this as well. And yeah. they go, yeah, sure you could. That'd be great. And then you've you've actually innovated on it. You've enhanced it. Yeah. Um, and so it's a it's yeah. I've got I've got a couple of guys that I deal with like that, which I find is really fantastic. And they'll also go, you know what? That's a fifty thousand dollar thing that you want there. Yeah, <laughs> we we've had success with only about twenty percent of our projects everybody being friends and happy at the end of the day. I say the other 80%, uh, we've had builders turn clients against us. We've had builders, uh, turn themselves against other parties and the, you know, ourselves and the homeowner are like, why, why are we going through this? Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I don't think I'm a micromanager, but I really want to have the best possible, product at the end of the day, whatever it is, and relying on an outside source to, to make it that way is a struggle for me because we're only as good as what they can put on the ground for us. Yeah. And it drives me crazy sometimes, but other times, I mean, we have builders that we work with that are like family. We just love them and they're great, but they're expensive and not everybody can afford them. And we, we can't tie the client's hands to who they choose for a builder. But if we're design build, we're already there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I never, I never thought about that. Um, that struggle being part of the success. So oh, once again, you've you proven, me, you proven me, me wrong in my statement before I even get it out of my mouth. <laughs> I, think, I think it's amazing because I never really thought about that, that tension um, is actually part of your process that yeah. 
that you get you get better you get a better understanding of 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 all the elements that are going to be um basically that that the home that are going to become every part of it and as i say you're the champion of the client so then if you're championing being the champion of the client and the champion of the design because ultimately you know you know the land you know what happens on it you know how it works you, yeah. you hear what the land's telling you you can um and then you also know if there's any regulations or any risks or stuff and and then the client you're guiding them through that and then the builder isn't just uh because they've actually got to get it out of there at the price that's agreed yeah they're not that they're actually like then implicit in that process as well of achieving yeah. it but then there will be this you know you're, it's almost like a refinement yeah that occurs yeah but so much nicer to do it with somebody who you um have a partnership with or an agreement with and that uh yeah. it's not us and them as you say the client gets the best journey out the other end because it's a tight a tight piece and it's not even you know you and the builder and then the client it's like how do you bond that whole partnership together so that yeah. there's and, and also the lines don't get blurred you know i turned up to a house the other day and um it wasn't as drawn. <laughs> uh, that's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh, and? <laughs> yeah. Take a photograph, send it to the builder and said to the builder, because we don't do project management, said to the builder, what happened here? <laughs> and uh, he told me. And then um, I happened to be talking to the client and I said, so what? was the outcome there and found out a slightly different story oh <laughs> wow yeah 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 it's a it's a tricky one okay so then what is something you could share out of your tips and tricks um i don't know something maybe from your or any part of the journey that would be useful to somebody else who's listening. There may be a designer, there may not, there might be a client. What's a great client tip or trick that, um, I shouldn't say like trick, it's not, you're not tricking clients. It's it's just a, a way that you do something that brings out the best in, in getting most people over a line or, you know, it, it, into a space. Um, I do that one where I, you know, do the the the, the, the dog on the lawn thing. <laughs> Um, right. Because it allows them to learn to imagine or it gives them permission to imagine. Um, right. Um, I ask people to not bring me a, a drawing because a lot of times, um, not a lot of times, I'd say 40% of the time a client will bring a, either a magazine plan that they found that they really like, or maybe it was a home that they lived in before that they really liked, or maybe they drew it themselves. But <clears throat> for me, if someone brings me something like that, I can't un I can't erase it from my my mind. I can't unsee it. Yeah. And 
for some reason it locks me in and I keep going back to this concept. It may not be verbatim what they brought, but it may be, well, the bedroom's on the right side, not the left side. And I keep going back to that. And it, it really, and not that I know best, but I think it's, it's best to start from a blank slate, lay out all of your verbally lay out all of your desires for this house and then let the professional formulate it. And then if they, if they come up with something that isn't quite what you thought it was, say, I found this thing, you know, that um, I found that my first representation of any design is not only my favorite, but is usually the best solution. Oh, and yeah. from there, just just gets kind of mangled up and, yeah, yeah. It, 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 that sounds arrogant, but it I, it's without it's design without restraint. Yeah, I I, I kind of have a I, I agree with you with that. You know, so like if you're a client and you've got a an idea, mm -hmm. um, and and depending on how resolved the idea is, um, you've got to decide what you're asking for the designer or architect to do yeah are you asking for them to just resolve your idea or are you asking them are you paying them for their ip of the ideas they will bring you right and i love people bringing me imagery mm -hmm. and i tell people if you're looking on pinterest or you're making cutting pictures out of magazines let it be something that builds an emotion and is not a specific solution. Don't bring me a picture and say, I want this kitchen, but yeah. bring me a picture of uh, a sink and a window with a fabulous view. And yeah. let that be the something that sets an emotion. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good tip. That is a really, really good tip because I think from that, instead of um, the client trying to resolve the design let you resolve you let you resolve the design because that's what you do so fabulously um, right but here's something and i don't know if you've seen you see this too but um 99 of the people i work with want the same thing our lifestyles here in the u.s are not uh, we're very homogenous <laughs> as far as the the way we want things and you know there's a there's a owner's bathroom with an attached uh, closet to it. And it's like people think they're being so unique because they saw something somewhere, but 99% of the people I work with want the same thing. Well, we, we have a cheat sheet that um, you go down and it, it's got all the rooms listed. And um, we, we our cheat sheet is long, you know, like we might have underground yeah. cellar, we might have, you know, all sorts of weird things on there as well just so that people go, oh, wow, you could have something like that. We don't use it right at the start. We use it later. Um, okay. But they, they all have, and, and what you see is here, what we call a project home. So where builders will build, you know, en masse, similar floor plans. Yeah. And um, they must have what we call a butler's pantry. Yeah. They must have like a kitchen that does this. They must have, like you said, an ensuite bathroom and a walk-in robe. They must have um, an office space. Now, with with what's happened with COVID, there's yeah. one is is they must have a gym. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. New. yeah. 
Um, and, and as you say, just about every house has something. It's a very formulatic sort of thing that there's these rooms in it. And then yeah. it's negotiating about how you use those rooms and would you use those rooms? Like, um, and is there value in having those rooms? Like we yeah. often will say to people, you know, like rather than if you, if your blocks tight, like we do a lot of acreage property like you do. So our block yeah. isn't tight, but square meterage in your case, square feet still ends up equals dollars, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's an easy... yeah. It's an easy formula. Yep. Yeah. You want more? It costs more. Um, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that I find is, is we've gone from having um, a robe in our main bedroom. So instead of in that main bedroom, we would have a robe on the wall 30 years ago. Um, now we have to have a room we walk into to get changed in. And mm -hmm. um, I get that for some homes. But then when you're, when you're pulling budget back and stuff, I go, wouldn't you rather have a nice wall of cabinetry and have the whole space of your beautiful room to get changed in rather than being filed down a little narrow, you know, piece because budget's pulling us in and yeah. having, you know, clothes on either side and you've got your, you're bending down in little space. You can't walk past each other as comfortably because every yeah. square meter is costing X yeah. dollars to get there. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and people go, Oh, but that nobody has that anymore. You're right. <laughs> but the sheep are on the other side of the pasture. That's, That's why I'm so excited about this one house we're doing in hunt because it's defying all of the status quo requirements. Yeah. I love it. By separating them. And, um, I mean, they don't have a powder bath. <gasps> Criminal. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. We, we, the thing I notice at the moment is, is, you know, everybody says to me, well, not everybody, but a lot of people say to me, this is my, this is our forever home. This home's our, our long-term home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if I question them, you know, do they shower or do they bath? They'll say they shower. And if I question them if, if they should have a bath, they tell me they should because you need that for resale. <laughs> Let's yeah. look back on that because yeah. you didn't say you were selling. Yeah. And, um, and I, I go, I get it. It's fine. I go, you know, if it's depending on where you're at in your life, you might want a bath for bathing grandkids in. You might want a bath for those things, but you might never going to use it yeah. yourself. So, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's been fascinating, Tim. Um, really, really cool. I can't wait to see some pictures of Hunt, Texas. Uh, that's yeah. going to be really cool. And to be back in, uh, in the States sometime. I don't know when we're going to get back there. As, as we said before, it might be when we're old and gray. It might um, be. Yeah. And especially Texas. We're, we're the dirty kids on the block right now. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, where you are, you're, you're nicely isolated out there as well. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is fantastic. But, yeah. and, and I think different parts of Texas are doing way worse than others, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it, it, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet. And we'll see where it, where it flows to. Now, absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate you being on Talk Design. Um, I'm going to post all 
Tim's details, all his socials, all that stuff, so that you can look him up and um, see what his work is. He's got a beautiful body of work. Um, and get in touch with this guy if you're interested in a, oh, not even just a modern farmhouse, whatever it is. If you've got acreage, this guy knows a lot about uh, large land and, and what to do with it, ranches as he calls them. Hi, this is Richard Petrie from the Architect Marketing Institute, and this is Richard's Magic Arrows. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Do you know why you lost your last project? It's not because you didn't have the skill or the ability you do, but the reason you lost was most likely because you lost on the emotional battlefield, a battlefield you didn't even know you were playing on. The client probably liked you just fine, they liked your design skills just fine, but she knew that Larry, the other architect, just made her feel better, made her feel safer, made her feel more certain, removed some doubt, just made her feel better about herself. She might have said Larry was cheaper or Larry had some sort of skill which you didn't have, but these were just justifications. Larry beat you on the emotional battlefield. And when we talk about rapport, it's often what it's all about. Who? It's a battle of who can make the client feel the best because the honest answer is probably if they lined up three architects, all three architects could have done the job just fine. Of course, one might be better than the other, but who's to know who that is? Certainly not the client. We need to understand emotions drive decision-making far more than any of us would care to admit. But the good news is that these two questions, I call the mind cannon, is really an emotional cannon. This cannon is custom-built to pierce emotional defenses that clients are powerless to defend against. When I saw my very first architecture client, I was looking at a piece of paper and she said, oh yeah, those are the two questions that win me all my projects. Well, you can imagine my ears pricked up. What were the two questions? She said, yeah, they were from your persuasion equation. I have a persuasion equation process, which is about 11 questions. But she had taken two of them and done everything that I was doing with 11. Now, before I give you this irresistible emotional mind cannon, I want to warn you, the questions may on first hearing sound innocuous. They are not. In fact, I bet that if you fire these two questions into your next three client meetings, you will see tears being wiped off the face of at least one prospect. Here goes. Number one, what does your family home mean to you? Pause for an answer. When they give you a little answer, ask why do you say that? That's question one. Question number two is how do you want to feel as you move through this home? Simple, easy, and emotion inducing. Don't be surprised if it takes 10 to 15 minutes to answer these two questions. Now while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to win better projects, earn higher fees from clients who value great design, I've got a free 90 minute training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.